Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we're talking about the volume game. Is it a losing proposition? Before we do that, though, let's talk about the Casual Fridays REI consulting program. Guys, basically, we're here to help. Doesn't matter if you're brand new to this and just want some help picking and pricing a county, or you've been at it for a while and you're looking for some help on ways to expand. All you got to do is go to our website at www.casualfridaysrei.com, click on the consulting tab, walk through the sign up, and we'll be in touch to help you get started. Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday. New week, new me, new dreams. Yeah. I We went to the comedy show this weekend. Uh, first off, thanks Dave and Christy Ayers. They threw us a present, and uh, we used that to create a memory together. <laughs> you made it sound weird when you said that. But Come yeah, on. You but sat yeah, next to me. We laughed. We cried. No, didn't cry. But it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I do. Thanks, uh, guys. That was real nice. And it was a good time. They served food. and yeah. They served food? Yeah. They served good food. Yeah, they did. They served really good food. What did you think of the act? I thought they were a six to seven. Okay. I think I'm funnier. Well, you are entitled to think that you are. I, I stayed up the entire night after watching. So we went to a comedy show. It was at our favorite winery spot. Um, and we, we watched these guys perform stand up comedy in front of a group of, I think it sold out. It was a sold out show. So Mm -hmm. probably 85, hundred people. And I think I'm funnier than them, the stand up comedians. Well, you never know until you get out there and you do stand up. And and I told you, I, I could not sleep that night because all I wanted to do was put together my routine. Like I have, I, I got about four hours of sleep. And had about five hours of routine writing. I've got material for days. Like I'm, I'm ready to do my first show and then be on HBO. Yeah, and like I told you, that's not going to happen. But I am ready to see your first show. I'm like the white Kevin Hart, <laughs> except I'm tall and white. Uh, okay, if you're that confident, I am dying to see you get up there. I'm going to find. I'm going to need people listening to this to chime in, give us a good spot in in Dallas Fort Worth where he can be open mic. Go open mic it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I love it. So my last dream of being an electronic music DJ, y'all didn't support, but you would support me getting up there and cracking jokes. That's because it's going to be funny when we laugh you off stage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I did, uh, in in full transparency, I did ask Adam if I could practice my routine here, and he told me not no, but hell no. Yeah, because it's not the same. You don't have a live audience to judge you, and I'm not going to laugh just out of spite. (sighs) I know. That's the kind of friend you are to me. (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to support you in your dreams. Oh, well, no, it's I will support you in your dreams, but I'm not going to root you on while I'm there because it's probably going to turn back to me. If I make notice or eye contact, I'm probably going to tell a joke about you. Oh. And then you'll be upset with me. No, and it's all, all good in comedy. Yeah. You know, it was like when the guy at the show, <laughs> so the comedian told a joke about a guy dying in a He gets sucked up by a jet engine. <laughs> this guy in the crowd goes, not funny. My friend died that way. <laughs> it really stumped the comedian. He didn't. He didn't know but, where to go with that. Yeah, he didn't. But then the rest of the night, he was making fun of it. Yeah, you know. he's like the weirdest thing I could come up with, and somebody's died from it in here. Yeah, so yeah. it was good. I, uh, it, it was a good time. I, it's it's nice to laugh. I, I always have fun at those things. I feel like I feel the punchline coming. So it, I feel like I would be a really good heckler, but you told me not to heckle. 
Yeah, the show hadn't even started yet, and you were already trying to. I was getting warmed up, bro. Yeah, I I knew to nip it in the butt right then. You keep a leash. You and my wife both keep leashes on me. It's because we're smart. <laughs> so, the the volume game, a losing proposition. That mm-hmm. I think this is an interesting topic. I, you know, since last week we felt pretty dumb. Yeah. I started re- reading the Harvard Harvard Business Review. That's, to- that's what I was going. I was wanting to make sure that you mentioned that because I'm like. When did he start reading the Harvard Business Review? I've always read it on and off, just kind of. I, I, and I've always said this on any podcast you've heard me talk about what I do in the morning, like Miracle Morning stuff. I spend an hour every morning either watching something motivational or looking at something that is a loose tie that I can tie back to land, like um, note trading. You know, that was not something you typically think about as a land investor, but I found that because of my morning rituals. So, in one of my morning rituals uh, since our last week, I found an article on um, the volume game, a losing proposition, but it was referring to multi-level marketing. And my brain works weird, man. It's always all over the place. It's, And I think you can attest to this firsthand, probably my wife would as well, that I'll you'll say black and I may say dolphin. And I'll be over there and I'll find something that has to do with it and I'll tie it back together. And you're like, where did you get that? Well, dolphin sees black when it's really deep underwater. you know. And I'll tie it back together. So looking at this Harvard Business Review, you're... You're, you're not helping me here, Adam. You're not helping me. Look at this Harvard Business Review, and it's talking about volume. And, and a lot of people, when they talk about scale, is how much more volume can they do, right? That I, I'm buying a bunch of these $100 an acre or $100 to $500 properties, and I'm just going to do volume and volume of these. And then they end up with nine employees, 10 employees. Wait, let's. do you want to give the outcome of what Harvard said on this first? Well, it said it was a losing proposition. Oh, was that, I didn't know if that was a question. Is, is it a losing proposition? Oh, yes. They say it's a losing proposition. Okay. So I was, I guess I was trying to feed into what the whole review was saying in, in reference to um, why it was a losing proposition and how it feeds into that. Because the idea is if you've sold property for any, any amount of time, some of the toughest customers you're going to get are these $100 to $200 properties you buy, and you're going to sell them for $99 down and $99 a month in the middle of the desert. And, you know, a lot of people, that's their last dollar at that price point. And it's a it's a make-or-break deal for them. And I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying they want to own a piece of American dream, but they're so worried that this is going to be the worst investment of their life that they kind of freak out. And so it takes a lot more work to do it. And so you have a lot more touches, a lot more hands-on. You're having to get in front of a lot more people. And so by doing that and increasing that volume, what you would think is I'm doing more sales, so my profit margin is going to stay the same, but it doesn't. Because you have to put more resources in place to make those same amount to keep the sales moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you flew through that. I want to make sure that was clear. <laughs> I didn't even take a breath. I didn't even take a breath. Um, so the idea is that if you're buying these cheap properties and you're making four or five hundred thousand dollar profits, mm-hmm. and you if you want to make more money, you think that I'll just buy more of those and sell. Yep. But, but what happens is you start doing so much that you need more overhead and then the overhead outweighs the small profits you're making. Yeah. Kind of if you're a car person and you, Hey, just put more horsepower into it. Well, when you add more horsepower to the motor, everything else behind it needs to be beefed up. You know, your transmission, your rear end, or it starts breaking parts. And that's what this does. When you start to create more volume and it's just you, you end up being the person that breaks. Mm -hmm. And so the idea behind that is while in theory, it sounds good. It doesn't, you're, you're, your resource or your need, your machine doesn't stay baseline. It has to increase too to get beefed up to run with that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people miss that. Yeah, I, I totally see that. Um, even going back to what you said about the cheap ones being your biggest 
problems. Yep. Anyone I've ever had default on a loan payment is the $100 down, $100 a month. Yep. Which is why I moved away from that. Yep. And those people take a lot more of my resource and my time yeah. as well. And so, then you still have the same dollar amount and mail and data to buy those cheaper ones. Yep. So your profit is eaten up really quickly when you do that too. You preach. Right. You, you got this figured out. Did you go to Harvard? I did, yeah. Did you read yeah, this article? Yeah. Honorary uh, doctorate from Harvard <laughs> in podcasting yeah. and land. Um, but where's the price point? Where's the break? If you buy it for 1000 you sell it for 6000 does that work? Or is it, are we just talking about buying for two, three, four hundred, selling for a thousand? I, I man, that's a great question, and I think that's it. That's something we have to answer for ourselves because all of our machines are set up differently. You know, we we probably talk to fifty to a hundred different investors a week, and what they're doing in everybody's business is a little bit different. How their their money's set up. You know, if I have a partner on a deal, I need to make more money on that deal than I would normally if it's me by myself because hey, I'm having to split it right. So. Um, that's going to p- play into it depending on your your overhead, your monthly overhead cost. Do I have a, a, a VA full-time? Do I carry a certain kind of marketing accounts that cost something? You know, all that stuff plays into what your machine actually looks like. So to answer that question, I can't answer it like with a blanket number. I wish I could. Yeah. I know it works for me, but what works for me may not work for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, it- there's a lot that goes in that too because you have to kind of, in my opinion, you have to think forward as well because mm-hmm. some of these things we're paying for right now, um, whatever subscription, you know, they'll go. Those prices are going to go up eventually too. Yep. Right. If you're still looking at those five hundred thousand dollar profit properties, mm-hmm. okay. Well, now you're losing money right from the get go. Yeah. And I, you know, we talk about coffee money real estate in some in some concepts or some aspects, and one of the things for me is that's just a small piece of the business. That's just something that generates sales on a weekly basis that adds value to our company, but it's not our sole like, hey, could I crank this up? Yeah, but I, I found a good threshold for us. We buy 10 at a time. We turn that 500 bucks into 52, 5,500 bucks. And then whatever taxes pop up during that time, we, we take that out of there. But that's a good number for us. It's manageable. Beth takes care of that for me. And that runs enough. It's enough to keep her into it, enough not to. If she decided she didn't want to do it, I could roll it over to my wife, and my wife could do it, and she'd have a little second job. Yeah, people love that coffee money. Um, the methodology behind methodology, it? Yeah, yeah. In our closed group, people are always talking about it. and mm-hmm. um, It's really interesting to me to kind of see how popular it's gotten. Yep, and that, I think it's important that you understand what you want from your business. You know, if it's just a, this is going to be my side money for the year, you know, my little side hustle, then something like that or these properties is going to be a big thing. But if you're going to scale into a full-time job, you know, I and I, I have a kind of a story, and I don't know if I'm allowed to share it or not, but one of my clients with Plum... Should, should you take a second and decide? I'm not going to say his name, <laughs> okay. and I know that he listens, so I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to respect that. But he's done about 150, 200 desert deals, and he's still having to drive Uber to make ends meet between. So he scaled up with us, and we just sold a property together. I think we paid eleven thousand for it and sold for thirty three, and then I'm buying him out of his terms. And he got a big enough down payment. He negotiated a big enough down payment. He could have bought me out for a thousand bucks, and he kept the note, but he needed the cash right now. And so when we talk about, hey, I can sold a hundred properties this year, and you still have to drive Uber, or could I sell ten of these bigger properties like this and use a money partner and cash out every time? And he makes 70 or 80 grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good example right there because when you put it in those terms, you know, that he's actually done over 100, but he's yeah. still not full time. Yeah. Right. He can't be full time because he can't afford it. Yeah. 
or go sell ones that y'all did change your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's that's the whole core of this whole idea is if you're if you have a nine to five and you're happy or you have you know you're a teacher and that's your calling and you love it, but you just want a little bit of extra money so in the summer you can go travel with your family, then you can set your business up that way. You don't have to be a full time investor. That's that's we we have never once said that your goal should be ten X do this, do that, and you're going to be full-time just living a dream. That's not your dream. It, it doesn't have to be. It can be. We can show you that step, but there is a way to do it without it. But the idea of, hey, I'm just going to, I'm making, you know, if I told you my average buy price on my COSL land or my coffee money method is $52 a property, our average sale price is $515 right now. That is a 18-month total of every property we've sold. I can look at each one of those deeds and go $500, $500, $500, $500. That's 10x. Okay, let's go. And Uncle G, I got 10x in all my on my tax deed properties here. But it sounds great in conversation, but reality is that 300 bucks profit after I pay eBay fees or I pay whatever that is, the tax, the utility district that popped up, uh, it's getting towards in the year so I can't pass the taxes on, so I'm going to pay them for this year. You know, whatever those are, those costs that pop up um, if I sell 10 a month, I made 3000 bucks. That's, that's a good thing for a side hustle, but that doesn't feed me and my family. We're still short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always thought the coffee money is a great way to get started and then use that money to do your first mailer and buy mm-hmm. a big property. Even if you don't have the money to buy a big property, that's where plum comes in. Right? Yep. Yep. And it's, it's a, uh, you, you hit it, man. It's so maybe these kids at Harvard, are onto something with talking about the volume proposition because I, I do remember clear as day sitting next to a uh, a pretty established and known land investor. Uh, he he specialized in doing volume of the smaller properties and dude was just cranking them out. Had like five full time VAs. His phone was always nonstop. I sat next to him at a at Land Academy Live event last year, which they are having one coming up here in October. So if you haven't looked into that and it's something you're interested in, take a look. He he had like six or seven sales while we were sitting there. Uh, we were together for two weeks over in a, in a three week period. We were together for about 10 days and he had every day he was having three to six sales happen. I'm thinking, dang, this guy's busy. He's like, man, why aren't you on your phone at all? That's your full-time land investor. And I said, I am. He's like, what's going on? I said, I was sold one yesterday, made 15 grand. I'm not too worried about it. Now, anybody else is just emailing. I'll respond to him later. That's not, I don't have to take the call. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, we don't, we won't buy a property unless we're going to make at least 10 to 15 grand on it. And he's like, what do you mean? And that's where we started talking about the more that 10 to 30 purchase price. You know, I'm gonna buy for seven, sell for 25, buy for, you know, 10, sell for 25 or 30, you know, whatever that looks like. I can, my goal for my land company, I could do one of those a month. And Adam, you said it last week. It's just as easy to sell a hundred thousand dollar house as it is a million dollar house. Mm-hmm. It's just as easy to sell a thousand dollar piece of property as a $10,000 piece of property, yeah. 20,000, 30,000. So, I can slow the volume down, not need as much machine in the back, and enjoy life a little bit more. I agree with you. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Get out there and uh, start doing deals. Okay. The bigger ones. If you have to do some smaller ones right now, do it. But Mm -hmm. uh, don't, like we've been talking about, don't think that's going to get it cut. Use that money. Do a mailer. If you don't have the money to buy a big property, partner up. Yep. And that's it for me. This is show 99. Oh, yeah. 99. The next one, 100. Big you, show. Are you excited about this? Like you look perplexed. No, I was just thinking. I mean, it's it's a big deal to hit 100, 100 shows. Am I gonna get you to cry? <laughs> no. Damn it. You're not getting me to cry ever. Okay. Yeah. I'm like a rock. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> you have no emotion. Well, I do have emotion. I get emotional when people go to Facebook 
or Instagram. And they give us a like or a follow. And when they go to iTunes or Stitcher and they uh, like the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, especially with five stars. And uh, I love you for it. Justin loves you for it. So uh, get out there and do that, please. And we will see you on Wednesday. Big show, show 100. I uh, can't wait for it. Um, see you then. See you guys.